Fulhamish is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. It's Fulhamish Extra. My name is Sammy James. We are your regular independent Fulham FC audio podcast. And as I said, it is Fulhamish Extra. 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 Bringing you some extra Fulhamish content on the reg. Extra. (laughs) Extra tent. More tent. (laughs) Tent all day. Well, we'll be looking forward to QPR today. The West London derby taking place at the Cottage on Saturday. Plenty at stake for Fulham and Rangers are very much hoping to spoil the party. And I'm joined on today's Extra podcast by Jack Collins. Hello, listeners. I thought you said hello, extra listeners. Hello, extra listeners. Hello, Jack Kelly. Hello, listeners. And I'm still my catchphrases, fam. <laughs> <laughs> and hello, Ben Jarman. Hello, extra <laughs> listeners. Jack what thinks is he's this carnage. Jack thinks he's street. Trademark. Oi, fam. That was sick. <laughs> yeah, that was sick. Well, it would have been sick if I didn't think stealing my catchphrases, uh, right, this season Fulhamish is backed by Ladbrokes. For exclusive specials and promotions, head to bets.fulhamish.co.uk. Well, there's loads riding on Saturday's game. Fulham facing Queen's Park Rangers in the West London derby. Uh, QPR haven't got a lot left to play for this season, but their fans and players are going to be very, very up for this one. And Fulham are going to have to work hard to make it 16 unbeaten, Jack. Yeah, QPR would love nothing more than to ruin our season or at least tarnish our season. Um, it would be disastrous for us to uh, to lose. But the way we're playing at the moment, we can beat anyone. I've said this before. Uh, and QPR will rock up and uh, we'll play our football and I'm confident we'll get the three points. It's a different kind of run now, Jack, because we, we spoke... We've been breaking our season up into parts, haven't we? Which is probably how I imagine the club and the, and the coaching staff do. They probably break the season into little mini parts, mini leagues, uh, and, and they target a certain amount of points from each section of the season. And I imagine their sections of the season won't have been too different from us. So we kind of had this four or five games in January, and it was all against kind of weaker opposition. Your Barnsley's, your Burton's, your Nottingham Forest, and we, we got maximum points out of that apart from Bolton. And then we had this so-called big six where we faced all sides all in the top eight of the division and we and we got 16 points out of 18. Now is kind of this bitty part full of banana skins, games that look easy on paper, but yeah, local derbies, games against sides fighting relegation, a Millwall as well, a London derby, not necessarily a local derby. So it's quite hard to... You know, think of a catchy title for this part of the season, apart from just can't lose them at all. Yeah, I mean, there's there's lots to play for. Even if even if this wasn't a run at automatic promotion, even if we were guaranteed playoffs and could get no more, there would still be a lot to play for in this game and in these games. And and not only in terms of momentum, but obviously like local pride. You know, it's nice to nice to always get a win over the the noisy neighbours, if you, if you want to call them that, under the the quote from Sir Alex. Um, but yeah, as in QPR would love nothing more than to upset the apple cart, wouldn't they? There was that's that's basically the last. This is the last. They've got to play us and Brentford, and those are the two last sort of hinges of hope that their season could be considered anything but an absolute and total abject failure. Um, and ultimately, Holloway has become quite reviled by the QPR fan base. You know, I have one of my uncles is QPR, and he he says that 
you know, everyone around is just like, we're not, we're not really going. Well, they're going, but they're like, we're not really interested until Holloway leaves, basically. They've all just got sick of him and they've realised that while he likes the club and he, you know, is a person that says the right things at the right time, he ultimately doesn't have the tactical nous to, to navigate this division anymore. And, and that's kind of become his legacy there and he will want to walk out of there and he's going to go in the summer he will want to walk out of there in the summer having made some lasting memories at the end of it and those kind of memories can only be made now for him by beating the likes of Fulham on and Brentford on their own patches they are the only things that can save his kind of last legacy in the in the, in the eyes of these QPR fans and ultimately he's going to be trying to do that he doesn't like Fulham we've talked about this before he you know he he loves a moan he loves a little you know touchline bust up he's going to be doing everything he can to make this game niggly to make it you know um you know not not nice for Fulham he's going to try and you know make things make his players play dirty pull fouls try and you know hopefully get away with these kind of things and and ultimately Fulham will have to just best that and, and get around it and you look back to last year where we were obviously the better side obviously Holloway wasn't in charge at that time but they're obviously the better side at home and we managed to lose that game 2-1 and I, I still will never know how, why, where, or what? That was but horrific. It sh- but it shows you how a team like UBR, who were awful last season as well, let's be honest, can go about beating a team like Fulham when bad luck, uh, good defending, and you know, and a, a selection of bad decisions go against you. You can you can lose these kind of games, and we shouldn't be looking this on as a, a, de- a done deal just because QPR aren't playing very well and Holloway isn't very clever. I mean, yeah, it was a horrific game last season. Two missed penalties. We had so many chances. Chris Martin misses that open goal early doors as well. Yeah, it's not one we want to think back to too much. Um, you're a big fan of um, Ian Holloway, Ben. Yeah, <laughs> massive fan of Holloway. He's your kind of manager. <laughs> it's been, it's Brexit been, manager, isn't he? It's been a poor season for QPR. They pick up all right results here and there, but are so consistent and also really, really struggling for goals. Yeah, um, I think uh, Matt Smith's their top scorer and he's got eight goals this season. Yeah. Um, he's been quite, from Matt Smith's standards, he's actually been quite clinical of late. He's been fairly prolific and he, he weighed in again at the weekend with a with another goal for them against Sunderland, um, albeit slightly um, scrappy. But I think he's someone that we're going to have to watch out for. Although he's obviously still best mates with Tom Kearney and um, they go on regular date night, I'm sure he'll be wanting to get one over on him and his old team as well. And we've got a couple of players in there that you have to be a little bit wary of. Um, potentially Connor Washington, um, Luongo as well is, is a fairly decent player. But a guy that always attracts my attention when we play QPR, and it's not because he's a wonderful player, but he's just a player that sort of knows how to play against us and knows how to wind us up. He's their right back, Jake Bidwell. Mm. He's perhaps one of the most limited players I've seen in my life at this level and can barely cross a ball, but always, always seems to be in the right place at the right time against us. I remember him really having Ryan Fredericks' number at Loftus Road last season. Fredericks, I mean... um, didn't he get substituted after about 15 minutes? Because he, 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 yeah. he was going to be sent off. Yeah, he was about to get sent off, and Jake Bidwell really stopped him down that uh, right-hand side. Yeah. Uh, the other player that I've always been admirer for QPR, and we've spoken about it many times, is Alex Smithies, although he hasn't actually had the greatest season in the QPR goal. No, oh, well, last season we spoke at uh, length about how Smithies was probably the keeper we would all bring in. So... You know, there's there's enough said in that that we're looking at you know someone like QPR who obviously haven't performed very well, and are still looking at bringing their we're still looking at bringing their keeper in despite the fact that they'd finished you know quite low down the table, and without Smithies, I think they all agreed that they would have been relegated last season. It's, it's really difficult for a keeper to have a very good season if you're 
if you're conceding, I think it's like t- tied third most shots in the championship per game at the minute. Mm. And I think one of the highest um, shots, total shots uh, the whole season. So you know, it's, it's really difficult to to sort of stand out from anyone else in the division if you're having to do that much work. How do you think regards. How do you think QPR are going to approach the game on Saturday? They're going to be looking at this one. You look at QPR on social media, I mean, they're really worried about Saturday because I think they think they're going to get a tonking because they're looking at Fulham's form, they're looking at the way, the way they're playing. But Holloway's going to try and do a job. How Do you think he's just going to go blood and thunder and try and use the Derby Day tactic to inspire his team because if he tries to try and out-coach Jukanovic, it's not going to happen, but he might just think, look, if I can just throw in the it's a Derby Day, show some passion, show some guts, that's the only way it can be, he can outdo this Fulham team. Yeah, I mean, they're not going to get, you know, they're not going to play football on the deck and, and, and try and out, out-football us in, in that kind of sense, but they're going to they're gonna play long ball, they're going to try and hold up the play, they're going to try and waste time and frustrate us and um, that's something we've got to, as fans we've got to be prepared for we're going to probably be prepared for quite a frustrating I'd say probably quite a frustrating opening half an hour I think they'll um, yeah, they'll do a job on us in that in the first half I don't see it being a very high scoring game at all right uh, I'm, I'm quite nervous for this actually and it only it's only when we play QPR that I realise how much I hate them and how much I hate their fans. Uh, their it's, it's very true. I forget about them yeah. until they come back around. And I yeah. go, oh, God, yeah, really, you really are just a horrible little club. <laughs> the, this weekend, I think what we can probably look forward to is some really long and direct football and direct uh, and football that is just going to be um, disjointed. And, and the sole aim of their their 90-minute game plan will be to make Fulham as uncomfortable and disjointed and as elongated as possible both in terms of style of play and the way that they that we set up they're not going to be able, they're not going to allow us to dominate parts of the pitch they're not going to allow us to dominate possession and if they do then I can't see anyone anything else apart from them just trying to kick us off the ball for a large majority of the game which is why you would expect Matt Smith to start yeah exactly I would and I would expect Jamie Mackey to play off him if he's available I don't know oh, if he is or not but he'll just constantly run and niggle away and just be horrible and I think it just basically sums up the way they've, they've played ever since um, they've come back down from the Premier League they've, they've only played one way and it's, it's long and direct and bitty play I don't think I've ever seen a QPR team play really you know, half decent football. Yeah, no, you're right. They have some half decent players though that we we forget about. The yeah, likes yeah. of Luke Freeman, who's actually a really lovely player and was yeah. a really really good player at Bristol City, I believe it was. Yeah, um, uh, he went to QPR last summer, and there was talk of a bidding war in terms of services between Fulham and QPR at that time. And I thought that would have been a really nice addition. He's a neat little player, um, and he makes it all tick for QPR. He sort of sits in the middle and mm-hmm. and really does. He, him and Luongo really are the only sort of two real ball players, I'd say, in the side. And you know, I don't think Matt Smith will start. If I'm if I'm perfectly honest, I think they'll start Connor Washington. Um, and yes, Smith's been playing well, but he he is that kind of impact player for Holloway, and he comes on you know with 15 minutes to go to try and give them a different edge and a different dimension. And you know what? That's probably Holloway's smartest move of of his managerial career career at QPR in terms of people try and deal with Washington's pace. And Washington's not a bad player either. He they try and deal with his pace. He's not. He's still a physical beast, you know. What I mean, he's still, you know, still a strong, a strong lad. He's not the tallest, but he wins headers, and he, he's there. And then they bring on Smith, and they change it up completely, and that's what they do. And then they start playing that long ball game, and it's new. You know, it very nearly worked against Fulham at Loftus Road. It did, it oh, did work against Brentford two weeks later, where they came back and got two goals in the ninety-first and ninety-sixth minute. 
you know, they have that option with Smith there. And so unless you're absolutely out of sight by that point, you know, that that that's what Holloway's going to do. He's going to throw it at you and hope that Smith wins headers. And, you know, we saw Fulham do that at times. And it wasn't pleasant and it wasn't pretty, but it was occasionally effective. Mm. And especially with the lack of height that was highlighted on Monday's podcast um, about, you know, in the Fulham back four, that, that does have the potential to trouble us. And uh, it's, a, it's a slight worry for me, but... Ultimately, we've got to just try and do our thing, pass our way around them, you know, really open them up uh, as best we can, you know, again and again and again, and hope that we can, you know, get enough, of, build enough of a lead that they've, you know, kind of lost the will to fight and the will to live in a kind of Sheffield United vibe. We want to, we want to kill the game dead. We want to, it wants to be stonewall dead by sixty minutes. Mm-hmm. And if it isn't, then there's always going to be that threat. Well, it seems to me one of those games where either Fulham are going to get an early goal and I think hopefully run away with it quite quickly because I think QPR might struggle to cope if we do get an early goal because I think if they then try to attack us we'll plug all the holes that will open up naturally in their defence but or it could just be one of those frustrating afternoons where we don't get a goal in the first half they start brightly in the second and then they bring on Matt Smith and it could turn into a little bit of a nightmare so hopefully Fulham can get the job done early uh, and we can all just have a lovely lovely Saturday and yeah, start, pleasant afternoon, yeah. and, and then have a nice time in the pub after the game, uh, watch England get spanked by Ireland and then have a, lovely, yeah, have a lovely mm-hmm. Paddy's Day all round. Um, let's speak to a QPR fan now, Gav Lawson. I started off by asking him whether he thinks QPR can spoil Fulham's promotion bid and their day on Saturday. I have to be honest, dude, my heart says yes, but my head says no. I think you're, uh, all, despite our great result at uh, Villa Park last night, I think you... You may have too much in the locker for us, as much as it pains me to say that on Saturday, as much as I would love to, to turn you over the cottage. But no, I, I think you're flying. I think you've got a lot of quality um, in, in Kearney and Setion, and, and you've got a striker for Mikhail Mitrovic on final forms. And I think you'll, you'll have too much for us, sadly. I mean, it's a strange one for me, QPR. You came down from the Premier League more recently than Fulham, but obviously you've been hampered by the restrictions that are in place financially on you after all of the FFP revelations and all the court cases and everything that's going on. So to be honest, with the side that you have, Holloway's not doing a bad job just to have kept you in this division and kept your head above water for now. I think, I think the, the way we're ending the season is, uh, is really good. Uh, it's, it's surpassing some expectations. There has been a little bit of... Uh, shock about uh, the FFP and going up and, and coming and spending all that money and, and being hampered by that but you can't fault Holloway and, and even Bircham uh, as much as he has uh, opinion for what they've done this year and, and bringing young players into the team and thinking about the future is, is better than where we thought we would be. I think the, the league has got a lot of uh, poor teams um, which, is, which has helped us out for the last couple of results for us. We, we've put the fate in our fortune in our own hands and we're looking to the future and, and hopefully Holloway is the man to take us there but hasn't always been, been the thoughts and the, and the case but I think I think we're fairly happy where we are uh, you know we're not going to go up we're not going to go down and um, yeah Holloway has, has done a better job than than some may have thought and um, he may be there next season which is, which is more consistency than QPR have had in the past with their managers Quite a few standout players for QPR that I'm quite interested in. I've always been a big fan of Alex Smithies in goal. Luke Freeman uh, is a very good talent on the right-hand side. Uh, and we know all about Matt Smith and we know that he does possess a lot of quality. He's sometimes derided by Fulham fans as just a big lump. But actually, I think he's got quite a lot of quality 
uh, on the deck as well. And I think the fact that he's got eight goals for you this season, whilst rarely starting, quite often coming off the bench, I think shows that he has got quality at this level. The player I want to ask, though, uh, and he's starting to cause uh, a bit of a stir in the championship is Ease, uh, the young Nigerian, 19 years old, got his first goal uh, against Sunderland. He's been, he was on loan at Wickham earlier this season and he looks a very, very good player. He's, he's showing his talent now. We, we've been very fortunate that we picked him up. I think he was, he was released by Millwall, of mm. all teams. Uh, we picked him up and uh, got, a, got a position in the, coaching, in the coaching department and Chris Ramsey and I'm, you're seeing the the fruits of his labour now in SA and yeah with some fans didn't want to let him go Gareth Ainsworth obviously a cute guy legend there managing him and thought very highly of him and the fans did as well and he was he was you know he was really up to him and doing exceptional stuff and, and I think to be honest with you we were thinking about him for a future talent but he's been plonked in the first team um, his goal against Sunderland was he got a bit of a lucky uh, one-two off Matt Smith I don't know if Matt Smith has what he was doing but he come back to him and, and his finish from those days was, was exceptional and he just the way he guided past me cat and bolt, he wasn't even there which you know on the daily cat and wasn't probably there but um, you still have to beat what's in front of you and, and Eze is, is, is doing very well and we're excited about him and uh, we're hoping to keep him under wraps a little bit but I think after a, an away win and him being instrumental in, in that as well I think uh, he's now he's now getting the media persona that um, we, we want to keep him under wraps a little bit longer and Hopefully, with a little bit of shock value left for Saturday, but I'm sure uh, I'm sure your manager and coaching staff will be all over him. So it'll be interesting to see if he can do it under a lot of pressure. But yeah, very hopeful for Eze for the future. Uh, Fulham QPR games uh, nearly always have incidents and I think it's quite obvious why Sky and the TV selectors nearly always seem to pick this game as the TV game because there's always something that happens either there's a thrashing or there's controversy and the last few games have uh, definitely proved that in all cases uh, the last season's reverse at the Cottage was a was a nightmare for Fulham fans I think we had 25 to 30 attempts on goal still only managed to get one you you scored two goals with some of your only attempts on goal and and we missed two penalties. The game I wanted to talk about, though, was this season's reverse fixture at Loftus Road. It was quite comfortable for Fulham for long parts of the game, but we so nearly threw it away towards the end. And then when Smithies got his head to that corner in the 96th minute, I was waiting for the net to bulge. What was your thoughts on the reverse fixture? Well, over the years, we've not had the best of uh, history against Fulham and... Uh... Yeah, do you know what I thought this year at home we, we might have had uh, we might have took the to the game to you and, and, and maybe turned you around and you might have been suffered a bit of a hangover from last year and uh yeah, I mean for keepers to go up and, and to get that chance I think we're all we're all hoping in expectation that we would be able to write that Jimmy Glass headline and maybe get an equaliser and, and you're right, very much so like the season before was a bit of a fast really being it's been so long to beat you at the cottage and to beat you in, in those circumstances with, with missed penalties here, there and everywhere and maybe it's obviously becoming a bit of a cult here on the back of that if you'd have grabbed the equaliser this season it would have been great um, but I think I think um, have definitely had that band since the, since the 80s since I've been going and um, yeah it would have been lovely to turn you over at home as an happened often um, but it wasn't to be this season you did nearly throw it away you nearly gave it to the game um, much like Brentford did when they were 2-0 up in injury time but we won't talk about that one too much 
Uh, and what kind of game are you expecting on Saturday? Fulham are almost definitely going to have more of the ball as a more possession-based system. What's QPR's tactic going to be in order to try and get something from this game? Well, I think we went up to Villa Park not expecting anything because the way we did that was to get on the front foot and get an early goal and uh, you know, Ryan Manning get in front of John Terry and scoring the header very early on. I mean, that, that, that just nothing changes the game like a goal so if we can get an early goal and give ourselves something to defend we've recently changed to a flat back four it's paying dividends for us we were trying to uh, shoehorn our, our three centimetres into a team which meant we played a, a three at the back and two wing backs and we haven't got wing backs so we're going to go so we'll probably be four at the back again it's, it's big dividends the last three games and hopefully we can get that early kind of um, you know goal against you which <clears throat> we haven't done in recent seasons in, in derbies we've never been on the front foot we've always been trying to been trying to chase things so I think if we can get that early goal defend as we have done um, cause you some problems with players going past you um, if they're days on form again hopefully he's looking to go around players the other young lad to mention is Paul Smith who, who's been um, sensational for us in the, in the couple of games and scored the winner against Cardiff and I think it's about taking the game to you if we get back we're going to get destroyed um, we can't give Kearney the space we can't just set on the space but um, if we do that it's going to be a long afternoon for Rangers fans Hopefully we can take it to you. You know, if, if Matt Smith manages to get his head on the end of one, um, hopefully not his foot, um, it could it could change the atmosphere in the ground. And yeah, let, let's hope for a competitive afternoon. I don't see much hope for the Rangers on the day, but let's hope we at least make a game of it, at least make you sweat for it, at least make you work for that playoff base and maybe that uh, elusive there at Wembley that I know you're all craving for. Yeah, we've been craving for it for a long time and uh, something similar to what happened when you guys went to Wembley uh, with old Bobby Z getting the winner would, would go down nicely for us Fulham fans. Look, Gareth, thank you for being on Fulhamish. Enjoy Paddy's day, not too much. Hopefully the rugby is better for you than the football and uh, hopefully speak soon. Cheers, Sammy. Take care. She said, do you love me? I tell her only partly. I only love Tim Ream and Matt Target. I'm sorry. Okay, well, thank you to QPR fan Gav Lawson for giving his two pence worth on this Saturday's West London derby against Fulham at the Cottage. Let's speak now to David Lloyd. He's the founder and editor of Two Fifth uh, and find out what's going on in this weekend's edition. Okay, well, I'm joined on Fulhamish right now. Delighted to have him on the podcast, making his debut. David Lloyd, editor and contributor to this only one F in Fulham, the Fulham fanzine, better known as Two Fifth. David, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. Making a debut at this uh, tender age. That's not not bad going, is it? No, it isn't. And I'm delighted to have you on, David, because as someone that runs a Fulham publication, I think that's uh, safe to say we are that. I'm talking to the original here. 30 years Two-Fifths been going, and it's as strong as ever. Still thousands of people picking it up. Uh, once every couple of months outside the Stevenage Road. It's part of match day for me. You walk along Stevenage Road, there's programme sellers, there's sellers of two-fifth. There's, so, there's such a buzz around it. It almost has like a market stall atmosphere and two-fifth is just such a institution when it comes to Fulham. Did you ever dream 30 years back when you did the first ever publication of two-fifth that you would be approaching 150 magazines 30 years on? I think you 
no. You, you mentioned the word institution there. I think I'd have, if I'd have been thinking in those terms, I think I'd have been ending up in one of those. Um, <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, the thing was, um, it was a, it was a case of thinking. Well, would it, would it, would it last a season? Would it last a couple of issues even? Um, because I didn't know what I was doing. It was. Um, a mate of mine now, but I didn't know him then, a guy called uh, Dave Preston, who, in the wake of the awful Fulham Park Rangers nightmare scenario, had uh, been put in touch with me as an intermediary, and he came to me and said, what about putting together a fanzine? And um, I don't know if either of us knew even how to spell a fanzine at the time, but <laughs> we got together and put out what I think is quite a puny first effort, certainly looking back. Yeah. Um, Dave bless his cotton socks after about five or six issues decided that he wanted to have a life uh, and left it with me and um, it was around that time in actual fact that um, there was the big deal that was struck with Cabaret Estates and with Fulham agreeing to move out of the cottage in due course uh, and getting up to 13 million although it didn't get to that because uh, Cabra went under but at that stage, when Penn was put to paper, the club could not talk about or write about the, that deal or any ramifications of it in, in any public forum. And, of course, in those days, pre-internet, you know, as you guys now, look at it, it's such a different age. And I still think two-fifth, although it's doing okay, is a bit of an anachronism. But this was well before any of all, all this newfangled um, social media was... was was in existence, and so all there was was the, was the club program and very limited other things for the club to use anyway, but they weren't allowed to mention the deal. But, of course, Two-Fifth being independent, fledgling though it was, was allowed. I mean, nobody could stop an independent public. Of course, I was getting tidbits from, you know, from within the club, from all sorts, and were doing at that time all I could to keep the fans informed, and um, it was a... A hairy time because you didn't know if one word said in innocence could actually scupper anything. It was really that hairy um, to the point that when we were having public inquiries, there was a CPO that was uh, a, uh, they were trying to put a CPO on the ground so that the, the council would then own the ground and would ever lease it back to Fulham if, if it came through. We weren't successful, but at that inquiry, they were reading out passages from There's Only One If in Fulham and Cottage Pie, which I edited also for a while. And there really was a fear that, oh, crikey, you know, you were, we, we were, <laughs> this was serious. It really was. And what about the iconic design of Two-Fifth? Is it you that comes up with that? It's so eye-catching, the the pictures, the the speech bubbles coming out of all the players. It's 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 such yeah, a lovely read. But I can't claim credit for the actual initial design. I, uh, a good mate, Bill Plummer, um, helped me come up with a template for the for the look. There's been different looks over the seasons as we've got a bit more, dare I say, it, proficient. <laughs> but otherwise, I mean, certainly I'm left with a template now and I just sort of put the thing together. And it, it, it always was envisaged, I suppose, as a footballing private eye. That's what we thought. We didn't, I don't know quite what that meant, but it was supposed to be, you know, forget all the round problems it was supposed to be a little bit of a mickey take a bit of a um it's the sort of stuff that's more commonplace now you know it's all you, you see these uh, panel shows on the telly and that but it, it wasn't so prevalent back then 
and it was just supposed to sort of prick the bubble a little bit. Um, and certainly from my perspective, I'm, I think people, those that know me, I know Rebel, and yet here I am all these years later able to say, well, look, I've been running a publication that at times has been a thorn in the side of the club, supposedly. Um, and even in my days as a supporters club member, when things were really iffy, even arranged a pitch demonstration, which, and you know, you think back and you think, really? <laughs> but, mm. but we did and it happened and it all went off peacefully and it got good publicity. So there you are. Well, I think that's the responsibility of a fan forum like yourselves, like ourselves is when times are going good, you've got to give the club credit. Unfortunately, right now we're, we're in a heyday and we're all making hay while the sun shines and all of us that run podcasts, forums and blogs and, and magazines are, are loving it and we're, and we're giving the club credit. But I think when times do get tough and there are other clubs at the moment who are going through you know, rows with their owners, the likes of Hull City and Charlton, and I guess it's the obligation of fan forums to be protesting and letting the fans' voices heard and that's what I guess two-fifth does. How many writers do you have on your books nowadays? Um, well, it don't, doesn't really quite work like that. It's it's contributions anybody can can contribute. How many people uh, are contributing? Over the years, there's been a fair few that I would term regulars. Um, so the, the, there's a handful that I can go to even now and say, look, you know, there's a, you know, you've got a regular column or whatever it is. So, you know, are you up to doing, for doing it again? There's no, no pressure. Mm. Um, but, you know, when you think that I've got the likes of, uh, of Dave Kidd um, involved, it's a whole lot different from issue one where we were, you know, trying to think of funnies, which turned out to be not very funny at all. <laughs> um, and, and sort of pissy this and that. And just, um, we had a thing called quiz balls uh, that was, we had a question, I think in the first one was how often do you see Jimmy Hill wearing that um, brown tweed coat or whatever? And, um, it was it was appropriate, but whether it was funny, that's another thing entirely. Sounds like something but, from "Don't Forget Your Toothbrush." Yeah, yeah, it it, it it it's a bit daft. I mean, Dave Preston had the sort of the quirkiness about him. I'm, you know, like I am surprised because I am a bit uh, Joe Average, to be honest. Um, the one thing I've got, I think, is uh, stubbornness. And then when the when there's principles involved, um, I'll stick to it. And of course, when your favourite football club is in trouble, then you try and do your bit. Now, uh, in saying that, uh, there's no pedestal or anything like that because I have to say the supporters club around that time and those members, oh, and, and, and the and the subsequent committees were supreme because it, they weren't. They, I don't think we expected anything to happen when we, you know, you, you're expecting to have a a, a a disco or something like you know, a club fundraiser or something. But when the thing went really belly up in that year in, in the late 80s everybody sort of rose to the uh, excuse me a minute <coughs> rose to the task and they really supremely backed the club and to an extent they've been forgotten it's it's a real shame because there were so many people that were really giving untold out doing things you know selling replicas of the cottage and you can just imagine they put guys they had their back rooms and garages absolutely stuffed with full of memorabilia and it was a job to do this it was a, it, they really did help and support the club and ensured as much as anything that the, the club's survival I was going to say certainly as far as putting a, a, um, a mag together over those years there's been some massive dips 
I mean, when you think in that time, the clubs filled every position of the 92, barring the 92nd place itself. <laughs> we were even top of the Premier League for one for one week. I remember it. Yeah, glory be. And, and it is much it's much sweeter to write about and, and glorify in the, in the way that the, the, the club, when the club is doing well, like we are at present. Well, let, let's um, talk about the current. Let's talk about that current team because uh, were you there on Saturday against Preston? I, no, I don't do aways at the moment. I've just got too many responsibilities. And to be absolutely f- fair, I did, I did 14 hours on two fifths. Well, yes, um, of so course. There's... You either get your magazine or I go to away games, <laughs> uh, which isn't supposed to be the way it turned out because I, I, I've done all, virtually all the league grounds. Um, it's just at the moment I've got watching brief for parents and all sorts of things like that. So, uh, I oh know. no, no, completely, completely I, fair enough. And yeah, I think people will be happy difficult. that two fifths uh, still going to be uh, readable over the weekend once they've been to QPR. But this team at the moment, it, it, it's it's obviously playing unbelievably. Fifteen unbeaten in the league, and Preston was one of those victories where we didn't play that well actually we struggled to keep the ball and we always knew it was going to be a tough challenge going up to Preston but you win those kind of games they're the ones that give you the real belief yes it's lovely to beat Burton 6-0 but when you go up there you get a 90th minute winner you didn't play that well that's when fans start to think hang on a minute I have seen the full footage so I'm aware of what went on I'm Mm. not there there are ways and means should we say of course Uh, but you're, you're dead right that that first half I thought we looked quite sluggish and uh, the hero of the day Mitrovic I thought looked particularly off his game especially missing that chance um, but there we are that's football we came strong uh, even Tom Kearney wasn't all that involved first half um, but yeah for goodness sake 2-1 it, it was a game that beforehand I thought we'd have trouble uh, but talk about rising to the occasion again and if we can win those sort of matches you know the old adage winning while playing ugly which well it wasn't that ugly but it was a potential banana skin for sure and Sorry. I went absolutely berserk like anybody else did I'm sure yeah I think uh, many of us that were there uh, nearly fell down uh, lots of steps this is a very steep uh, stand at the uh, at the end at, uh, at Preston uh, but this team is playing with such confidence what do you make of Slavisa Jokanovic and do you think you can inspire Fulham to that automatic promotion place obviously Cardiff getting that win last night's not ideal if I'm going to be honest, I've got to, well, the answer in short is I think yes. It depends on other results. But I've got to stand by my words in the last editorial, and that is that uh, if only he was given the tools, then we'd see the end result. And in January, he was given the tools. And look at the result. Mm. Uh, the last two seasons, we haven't had um, our own regular centre forward. We got Chris Martin in on loan last year, and he did pretty well for us in, in quite a few games. There's, there's a lot that look back on his time with us with a bit of distaste, and I know what they mean, but like, you can't rewrite history and say he didn't play well because he did on a fair few occasions for us. Yeah. But uh, as I was having a discussion with somebody outside the ground one of these last games, we should have been discussing which of the centre-forwards we were going to have out today who we preferred we should have been having if there were any arguments or debates we should have been discussing which of the two and we didn't have uh, certainly when, when Martin went back we didn't have a centre forward as such we have with other reasonable players but that's what clearly Jokanovic was striving to get and whether we would have got Mitrovic at the start of the season is highly debatable but a centre forward type would have been handy and so we would have been arguably in a better position had we had a more balanced squad at the start of the season 
in the same way that we missed out narrowly last year. I'm desperately hoping that that's not going to happen again this time around. I think there's a bit more about us. However, the two seasons, you can mirror, they are mirror seasons in effect because we, we didn't have the requisite squad members in place at the start of, of either. And it was a case of catch-up. Uh, we sneaked it a little bit last year by getting just about getting into the playoffs, but being the team in form. Uh, whereas at the moment, we're, we've stormed up. Cause I think I worked out, was it after Derby? The 1-1 home draw with Derby, we were 17th. Yeah, we were, we were. And then here we are, you know, just for about 10 minutes or whatever it was on Saturday, we were third. Now, OK, we're, we're fourth as we stand. But yeah, it's really exciting. And, and there's a... You, yeah, that word belief, you, you can sense it on the terraces, but you can certainly see it emanating from the players. And a real togetherness, even even Fonte, who, who, real Font, who, who wasn't involved playing-wise on Saturday... He was the first on the field to sort of jump all over Mitro when he scored, and and at the end was was uh, you know getting the, the cheering going with the fans, and he wasn't even on the pitch as such. So there's something happening there, and you've got to give the head coach the credit for that because whatever you say, if the, if the camp wasn't happy, I'm sure somebody like Kearney, I'm sure somebody like Cessignon would have been. Um, I'm not suggesting that the the the, the, uh, the ticket was there for them just to run away somewhere, but they would have been more prepared to. But at the moment, you can just see how much they're enjoying it. And Kearney's been a bit more than the, your standard PR talk in, in, in acknowledging that. He's having a good time there, and we can see it. You know, a fit Tom Kearney is, is a very, very good player indeed. Well, I'm hopeful, David, that your 150th uh, magazine could potentially be writing uh, about a return to the Premier League. You're not too far off it. And I think this squad has that togetherness, has that belief that I think that it is possible at the end of the season. There's so many ifs and buts uh, to come between now and May. Can we make it automatically? If not, then the playoffs it will be. And a day, a day out at Wembley is a uh, some compensation for... For that, what's what's happening though in the in the new two fifth that's coming out this Saturday? What what, what can well, we expect? Well, I've got an interview with Robert Wilson. Okay. And, uh, the, the sort of novel thing about that was, um, yeah, not only is he uh, a stalwart in the midfield, a decent midfield, which compares to the one that we've got now. He, he was with Lewington and Houghton, uh, and he makes reference to that. But he, you know, that was a team that almost went up in 82-3 and, and very shortly afterwards the team was disbanded so there we were on the cusp of going up and he played in that notorious match against Derby and I interviewed him on the eve of that game of the Derby game this year so he's again making references to that but he's a, he's a, he's a fan and he goes to most home and away games so it's quite different to get someone now that's um, you know he, it's the same bloke, but of course there's two aspects. So I've, I've, I've tried to explore that. A, what it was like to be on the pitch and get kicked by a fan who shouldn't have been there in the first place. And then what's it like now to sort of see the action? Does he get involved? I don't mean kicking kicking the players. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he's uh, kicking every ball. And then there's, there's plenty of reference to you know, Mitrovic being the man and on the front cover is, is the suggestion that he's the missing part of the jigsaw that may well indeed propel us to, to, to glory via Wembley or, or automatically. 
I still don't think that place in the top two totally out of the question because we've got head of steam and, and that word belief again. And Cardiff but, have got yeah. difficult fixtures. Yeah, yeah, there's there's some there's some points to be dropped there and uh, it's still a tough call for us to sort of keep racking the points up in the way that we've been doing. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm on record as saying that uh, had the powers that be at Fulham, had, if they'd had their wits about them, it would have been easier to have stayed and, and checked our descent from the Premier League um, if they made us up, you know, they're taking a bit more notice of actually what was going on there. Because as we found, it's terribly difficult to get back. It's all very well, you know, um, it's, it, it's all very well having having a reasonable squad. You've, you've got to have a lot of things right to get out of the championship going upwards. And of course, we nearly actually went out of the championship going downwards, having been relegated from the top flight. But at the moment, it's it's a it's a phenomenal rise that we've had, and it's enjoyable and. Yeah, it would be fantastic to be back in the top flight. I think Jokanovic has got the mentality and the look to to actually make a, a, a decent fist to get a team that will make a decent fist of it because I think our style of football is more uh, suitable to the Premier League. But um, uh, again, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. It, 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 let's get there first and then we'll see what happens. Well, it's uh, QPR on Saturday, 12.30 kickoff. If you're in and around the Stevenage Road uh, before the game, definitely pick up a copy of 2-5. Uh, is it number 148? Number 148. I had hoped to make it 150. Uh, and the 30-year mark is actually this month, but I'm temporarily just sort of suspending that uh, celebration, if you like. Uh, uh, we're going to make the anniversary still in the 30th year, but in September next year when there's a, a two-fifth book on the way. Oh, that's very uh, exciting. It's be a fan's eye view of, of what's been going on at the club within the last 30 years and obviously making reference to the fact that we've um, we've filled 91 of the 92 places in that time and fielded quite a few characters, had quite, quite a few decent... Um, well, we've had, had a few grim moments, but, you know, whilst they're going to be charted it's it's as i said earlier it's much nicer talking about and it's my nature I, I far prefer talking about when things are going well and the hodgson years were brilliant and i was lucky to have a one-to-one with with roy hodgson so there's um i think there's a, a decent package there but i suppose i would say that wouldn't i <laughs> well definitely pick up yourselves a copy um david it's been such a pleasure chatting to you on fulhamish making your debut thank you so much for being on brilliant Thanks a lot and good luck with your guys as well. I hope it all goes well. Thank you to David Lloyd from There's Only One F in Fulham. Two-fifth, it's better known as. And as he said, it's on sale this Saturday around the grounds. Definitely pick it up if you can. It's always a fantastic read, especially with uh, a little international break coming up. It'll uh, give fill, you... Fill your days. Yeah, it'll give you some Fulham content to <laughs> buy the, uh, <laughs> the long international break before there's some more Fulham action. Uh, so I just need to thank my guests uh, on Fulhamish Extra tonight to Secretary Jack Collins. Thank you very much thank you sammy jack kelly thank you very much thank you very much hopefully we'll catch you on another podcast soon and to ben jarman thank you thank you sammy thanks for your hard work mate uh enjoy the west london derby on saturday uh come say hello if you're around in the pubs watching the rugby afterwards uh and if you're not at the game hope you enjoy your paddy's day wherever you are around the world uh we'll see you on monday for fulhamish we'll be back as normal reviewing the QPR game fingers crossed it's a win uh, let's hope so and uh, we'll see you very soon you whites Cyrus Chrissy Hattrick you heard it here first follow the snapchat
Hello, extra listeners. Acast powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. Hey, it's Maria Hinojosa here. And Julio Ricardo Varela. We are the co-hosts of the Roundtable podcast, In the Thick, where we talk about politics, race, and culture from a people of color perspective. That's right. Every Tuesday and Friday, we bring you the latest political news, covering the stories and issues that matter to communities of color with amazing POC journalists, activists, and academics from all over the country. So you're not going to want to miss our coverage because we have a lot of fun. We do. Which means that on election night, November 3rd, we are going to be hosting a live virtual show to give you the much-needed POC perspective on this crucial night in our country. Follow us on social media at In The Thick Show to make sure you don't miss the updates and this live analysis. Subscribe to In The Thick wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST, A-cast. 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 recommends.